today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. People aren't healed simply by touching the fringes of Jesus' garment in a crowd. They were healed when their faith preceded that touch. When by faith they touched the power of God and the one who could heal their infirmities. It was their point of contact to literally release their faith to receive a touch from the Lord. Sometimes in our lives, we just need somebody, man, would you pray with me? And for somebody to come and lay hands on them and to pray with them. The Word of God says, hey, are there any sick among you? Let them call the elders of the church. Let them anoint them with oil. In Luke chapter 8, a woman with the issue of blood has the bold audacity to touch the hem of Rabbi Jesus' garment. As she does, the woman is instantly made well. In today's message, Pastor David points out that it was not Jesus' clothing that caused the woman to receive her miracle. Instead, it was her faith. The woman believed that Jesus could help her, Therefore, the moment she touched Christ's garment, her faith found an activation point, and she was healed. Now here's Pastor David as he continues a sermon series in Luke entitled, A Desperate Faith. laws of God's Word from the Old Testament. 365 prohibitions, thou shalt not, and then 248 affirmations, thou shalt. And so with each time that they would look at these tassels, it would be a reminder. Some believers, I don't know, I I haven't looked today, some believers wear a cross as a necklace or maybe a lapel pin. Why do we do that? Because it's a beautiful piece of jewelry? No, why do we do that? As, As a reminder of what Christ has done for us. We, we put crosses in our buildings. Some might have crosses in our homes. You might have crosses in other places. Why do we do that? It's a reminder of what Christ has done for us. Well, in the same way, those tassels on the garments, those fringes on the edge of that garment were for that same thing. So now we come back to this woman there on the shores of Galilee, an unclean individual. She did the unthinkable. She pressed into that crowd, which she shouldn't have been touching. She shouldn't have been there to begin with, but it was a desperate time in her life. She was willing and desiring to do a desperate thing, trying not to be discovered by the people who knew who she was, who knew that she was unclean, because again, the the penalty for that was she could have, uh, at best, be kicked out of the community, but at worst, she could have been stoned because she was unclean and she was forcing herself on others. Well, she comes and she reaches out and she touches what the word says was the hem of his garment, this tzitzit, this fringe, this tassel, I believe, coming down. She was immediately made whole, immediately made whole. Jesus said, who touched me? And everybody denied it, including this woman. I believe that this woman was sinking back into the crowd as quickly as she possibly could. 
Who touched me, Jesus said. And Peter and those with him, why Peter always gets blamed, I don't know, but Peter and those with him says, this is master, the, the multitudes throng and they press you and you're asking who touched you? But Jesus says, Peter, you don't understand. Somebody touched me. I perceive power going out from me. Now, even, even that, I, I don't understand all of that. I don't understand, again, how God in human flesh, 100% God, 100% human, that power goes out of him and he perceives that. That is just like so amazingly cool to me when I think about that, the might and the majesty of who he is and, and he can perceive when power has gone out from him. It also speaks to me about the fact that ministry is exhausting sometimes because it does take, it does drain. We, we read many times where, where Jesus is uh, he's, he's either sleeping or he's tired, he sits, he's thirsty, he's hungry. There's, there's a, that physical part of the God-man that's there. And he says, I perceived power going out from me. And when this woman saw that she wasn't hidden, she came trembling and fell down before him. Earlier, we saw Jairus coming and falling down before Christ. I believe that was falling down in, in, in an act of worship before Christ. I believe this woman came down and fell down in an act of crying out for mercy. She knew that she was unclean, and she touched him. Who touched me? It was that unclean woman that did it. Yeah, I believe that there was fear, but at the same time, in the midst of that fear, she believed that she was healed. She, she received that, I believe, in her life. She came trembling, fell down before him, and she declared to him in the presence of all the people, gets this, she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. She had to tell everybody around there what's been going on in her life for 12 years. A very personal ailment. And so now she's saying, the reason I did this, the reason I did this is because for 12 years, I've suffered with this ailment. I had to do something. I was desperate. And so I touched him. And yet, now I'm healed. And Jesus said to her, verse 48, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Interesting when we look at this. Again, the boldness of this woman to to break through all of this crowd, to, to work her way through, to be able to get right close to Jesus and to be able to reach out and touch that fringe of his garment. She had nothing to lose. She had heard that the Messiah could heal and she sought after. She had faith in what Jesus could do in her life. And that fringe of that garment became for her literally a touch point that says, man, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. Let me ask you this. Is there something supernatural or miraculous about that piece of cloth? No. The cloth has no supernatural powers. But her belief in Christ and in touching that cloth made a difference in her life. You see, when we look at situations like this, we wonder, well, why and how? A piece of cloth, really? Just touching the hem of his garment? Jesus healed in a lot of different ways, didn't he? We speak of how he healed the blind, and some uh, he, he healed with one touch, and some he healed with two touches. Remember, he touched the man. He said, well, what do you see? Well, I see uh, men like trees walking. And Jesus touched him a second time. He said, oh, now I can see 
clearly. So there's the one touch, I'm done. Two touch, I'm done. Then there's the spit in the eye uh, touch. And, you know, not everybody volunteers for that one. But, uh, you know, he made a little spittle on mud and they put it on the guy's eye and said, go and heal yourself. So, you know, so we make denominations out of that. You know, we got the one touch denomination, the two touch denomination and the spit in the eye denomination. I'm not sure which one that is, but Jesus isn't confined to our limitations. The work and the power of God isn't confined to our understanding. He is more than able to do what he desires to do at any point and at any time in anyone's life. As a matter of fact, we read in another passage how when Jesus came to the the town of Gennesaret, Again, along the shores of the Sea of Galilee, people heard that Jesus was coming, and the men of the town recognized Jesus. They sent out word. They, they brought all these people, all the sick to him. And the Bible simply tells us in Mark chapter 6, says, wherever he, wherever he entered into villages here in that area, cities or in the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him, were made well. As many or all who touched him? I don't know. I think we need to look at that in the context. Uh, what about the crowds? What about the pushing and the shoving? What about those with, with the lack of belief? Remember, the Pharisees were there too. And they, they would follow along with Jesus and they would listen uh, to every word that he said in order to be able to catch him in some way that they could bring charges against him. There were some without any faith at all. No, they were the ones that just came and said, hey, I just want your free lunch program. That's all I want. I don't want any commitment in my uh, life. But there were a multitude of people there that were desperate and they were needing that touch. And those that were, I believe, those were the ones that were healed. People aren't healed simply by touching the fringes of Jesus' garment in a crowd. They were healed when their faith preceded that touch. When by faith they touched the power of God and the one who could heal their infirmities. It was their point of contact to literally release their faith, to receive a touch from the Lord. Sometimes in our lives, we just need somebody, man, would you pray with me? And for somebody to come and lay hands on them and to pray with them. The word of God says, hey, are there any sick among you? Let them call the elders of the church. Let them anoint them with oil. Is there anything magic in that oil? No, but it is a touch point. It is a point, again, in faith of believing. Man, this is what the word of God says, so we're going to fulfill the word of God. Do we need oil every time that we pray for someone who's sick? No, because it's in the prayer of faith that God works and moves. Listen to some other crazy things of how God heals And I do believe that God heals, by the way. I believe that he heals in supernatural ways. In Acts chapter 5, we read, they they brought the sick out into the streets. They laid them on the beds and the couches that at least, catch this, the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on them. And as a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities of Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, they were all healed by the shadow of Peter. That just doesn't make sense to me. But I'm not God. (laughs) And the limitation of my mind is such that God does some absolutely crazy things. But he's God. In another place in the book of Acts, chapter 19, 
Now, God worked unusual, did you catch that? Unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. So that even his handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out from them. Are you kidding me? Uh, his apron that he wrapped around him while he was working or his, his handkerchief that he wiped his brow as he was working. And they got those and says, hey, my brother is sick and I'm gonna bring this over to him. He's over in the next city over. And, the, and in faith, they received that. And in faith, God healed him. Was there something supernatural about Paul's sweat? I don't think so. Probably a lot of salt, just like yours and mine was. But it was in the faith and the belief of these people that they were able to, again, that, that becomes that touch point, that becomes that point in their life that says that God is working and moving through this. The unfortunate reality today is that man today tries to mimic these miracles of God. And doing so, I believe that they make an absolute mockery of the truth of God's word. I don't understand all there is to know about healing. I don't want to press into an area and, and, and call something that is, you know, that it's not. But I hear and I see stuff that, again, is much more a draw of man. When I hear someone saying, whether it be on Christian TV or on Christian radio, that if you'd send in your love gift or if you'd send in your gift of faith, we'll send you these cloths that we've prayed over and it'll bring healing to you. I'm thinking, are you more concerned about my sickness or about your pocketbook at that point in time? I believe that if some of these who claim they have the great ministry of healing, if they just go and visit our hospitals, wouldn't that be wonderful to get people up off their sick beds rather than, again, making a mockery of God's word and making a marketplace of God's people to draw from them? There's sometimes much foolishness. Does God always heal? Think about that for a moment. Does God always heal? Oh, I have some people say, oh yes, he always heals. Sometimes his healing is, you know, when we die, okay? That to me isn't healing, okay? That to me is, okay, we, we've passed on from this life. We're done with this carcass. We can lay this aside. We move on into his presence. Does God always heal? Let me go on record to you today, church. No, he does not always heal. And again, claims of some faith healers are true today. There wouldn't be the sicknesses and the diseases that we have. There were many, even in Jesus' time, that were left unhealed. But why would he do that? I believe one reason is, is that that wasn't the reason that he came. Do you realize that Jesus didn't come to heal us? He came to deliver us from eternal destruction. He came to deliver us from the judgment of God. And in the process of that, many were healed, many were delivered but not all. We know that there were times that he had to send the crowds away. There were times that he had to back away from the multitudes of the people. His whole ministry, for the most part, mainly was done up in Galilee. What about the people who were sick? What about the people who were ailing down in southern Israel? Oh, he only spent a little bit of time in Jerusalem. So there were many that were left that were unhealed, undelivered, even during the time of Jesus. Then in the New Testament, we actually read of individuals who were not supernaturally healed, but they dealt with it in other ways. I give just for your understanding, uh, the, 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 the young pastor, Timothy. In 1 Timothy, Paul writes to him, says, Timothy, don't, don't, don't just drink water anymore. 
You need to use a little wine for your stomach's sake and for your frequent infirmities. Well, Paul, you just don't have faith, brother. If you had faith, he would be totally healed. Oh, maybe it was Timothy's problem. Maybe Timothy couldn't gumption up enough faith. No, I don't think that that's what it is. And yet, to hear some today who preach on healing, that's exactly what, you, know, you have to have faith. And if you don't have enough faith, ma'am, it's not gonna happen to you today. So what about Timothy? There was some issues that were going on in Timothy's gut, apparently, and some, some other sicknesses that he had. Says Paul says, hey, man, don't drink that water. It's gonna kill you. Drink some wine, let that help medicate some. There was another, and Paul writes into the Philippian church in chapter two. He says, and yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, a fellow worker and a fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need, and since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick, almost unto death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. We read this, and we understand Epaphroditus was sick. We don't know how long, but the sickness had brought him almost to death's door. God did heal him. God delivered him from that. But the way that Paul writes it, man, this was just something, man, if he would have died, man, I, man, I, man, I would have been heartbroken about this. But God did heal him. How long did he stay suffering? How close to death did he get? We don't know, but God did. But then there's another situation in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul writes, Erastus, he stayed in Corinth, but Trophimus, I left, and Miletum, because he was sick. You left him there, he was sick? Why didn't you just pray a prayer of faith, Paul? Doesn't God heal everyone if we have enough faith? Not according to God's word. Now, does that mean that God doesn't heal? Absolutely not. Does that mean that we don't pray for healing? Absolutely not. We pray for healing. We pray believing that God will heal. But then, beloved, our prayer also needs come along the fact of understanding. Just as Paul prayed himself, man, he had, I, I had this thorn in the flesh, and I prayed on three different times. And I don't believe he just simply prayed three times. Lord, heal this flesh. Lord, heal, take this thorn out. Lord, remove this thorn. There, I prayed it three times, and God didn't do it. No, I believe that there are three seasons in his life that whatever that thorn in the flesh was, and some say, well, it wasn't really a physical thing. It was some other issue, maybe a tax that he was having. I personally, I believe, again, on some other context within the Word of God that it was a physical problem that Paul had. And apparently three different seasons, it became so powerful upon Paul that he prayed some desperate prayers. Lord, remove this thorn of my flesh. But what was the Word of God back to Paul? Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Well, didn't Paul have enough faith to have that done? Oh yeah, if you're going to talk about somebody with faith, I don't think you'd want to go one-on-one -on -one with Paul. But what did God say? My grace is sufficient for you. Because the understanding of that is, in your weakness, Paul, my strength is going to be revealed in and through you. So I submit to you that prayer. I submit also to you another prayer. This isn't necessarily about healing, but it is about understanding and trusting in the will of God. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was praying for what was about to happen to him. He knew the horror of the cross. He knew the, the, the depth of the suffering that he was going to go through. And he prayed, Father, if there's any other way possible, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, 
thy will be done. You might say, Pastor, that's, that's a cop-out. That's a cop-out. No, I believe it's biblical. I believe it's biblical to pray for healing, to pray with faith, believing that God who created us, he knows us, he knows everything about us, he's formed and fashioned us, he knows every, every hair on our head, he knows the number of our days, he knows all of these things, and he has the power and the authority over all of his creation. And I can pray with faith that he'll bring healing. But at the same time, I have to rest in the fact that, God, your will be done. Your will be done. Or teach me in the midst of this suffering. Teach me in the loss that we're about to receive. Lord, what, what, what you're doing and what you're working in our lives. Because, beloved, just like I've said, I think just this past week, said his ways are not our ways. Neither is his thoughts our thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are his thoughts and his ways above ours. I don't understand all the ways of God. I don't think I ever will, this side of glory, because we're limited. But I do understand enough to know that he is a great and mighty, he is the one true and awesome God. And I don't come to him demanding from him anything. I come as a child requests of a father, and I plead and sometimes it's a desperate prayer because of desperate situations. And then we praise God when he answers them the way that we desire him to answer them. God worked in this woman's life, not through hocus pocus, not through magic. Well, if you just wave your hand over this, if you just touch this, that will happen. No, it was the very power of God working through her faith. And yes, she had faith. And yes, faith is needful. Is it absolutely necessary? I don't know. I've seen him raise people from the dead who had no faith. I've seen him work and move in others. Uh, we can go back to the 10 lepers that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, that uh, he healed 10 lepers and only one came back. Did all 10 of these guys really have faith or was God doing something in those 10 lepers that was totally special and totally different? There's importance of faith. Don't underestimate that. But don't overestimate that to the point where we hear some saying, you have to have faith in your faith. No, I don't. Because I cry out like the one man about his son, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. You are the one. This woman took a chance, and Jesus declared to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Beloved, as we walk our life in faith, believing God in every aspect of our life, I believe that he desires to do a God work in each one of us. For some of you, it might be healing. For the others of you, it might be a release from bondage. And for others, it might just simply be the presence of his peace in the midst of torments that go all around you, that you know him, that you know his presence, his glory, his majesty working in your life, that you might know the greatness of his love for you, his passion toward you, so much so that he sent Christ to die for you. How big is your God? Is he big enough to do these things? Yes. What kind of God do you serve? A vending machine God that if you put in the right kind of prayers at the right time, he'll give you whatever your button pushes? Or do you serve a God who is mighty, who has a perfect plan and a perfect will, and we are simply a part of that?
Learning more about Jesus is the single most important thing we can do as Christians. As we carefully consider how Jesus lived, we see beautiful examples that can apply to our lives. Though the entire Bible is rich with symbols and images that point to Jesus, the Gospels are grand central station for who Jesus is. Join us each day as Pastor David teaches through the Gospel of Luke. You can get a free copy of today's teaching at our website. Simply log on to theopenword.com. That's theopenword.com. Although the open word is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the Word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's Word from beginning to end. Here's Tracy with more information about our service times here at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Maybe you're listening right now in Casa Grande and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. at 6.30 p.m. every Wednesday and Saturday. For more information, call us at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Or log on to theopenword.com and follow the link to the church website. Thanks, Tracy. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Please join us next time for the next edition of The Open Word.